Hey guys, it's me, Alex. So, uh, there is an opening to this episode that I already recorded, but I just want to warn you, uh, I guess warn you, I don't fucking know. So this is the weirdest episode ever. So it's fun, and I'm talking about, like, chimera fights between, like, bear sharks and octopus with crocodile attributes. And then, like, the last 15 minutes is, is me, is, is, I get a little fucking weepy and emotional and weird and talk about, uh, some fucking sensitive stuff. So, uh, I kind of give a warning before I start talking about it, but I guess I didn't realize how fucking ridiculous I'd get. So, um, if you don't like that, don't listen to the end. Really, the front part's good. I just, like, like there's fights and there's fun things, but, like, don't listen to the end if you don't like that stuff, because it's, it's, it's tough. And, um... The, the the song I close with, I just wanted to mention that lyrically has nothing to do with it, uh, with, you'll understand later, but, uh, uh there's, um, in the lyrics, there, there's a reference to fucking, uh, and that's certainly not what I was referencing at all, uh, it's just the, there's a couple of lines in there that I will not explain, uh, but yada yada, blah de blah blah, uh, warning, 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 last 15 minutes or so, uh, if you don't like, uh, whimpering fat guys from Jersey saying whimpering fat guy stuff, just... Click the old knob. I recommend going over to uh, to uh, some other podcast that I can't think of off the top of my head because I'm tired and I desperately need some whiskey. So, yes, I am recording something, and this is a jam-packed, fucking ridiculous extravaganza of a show I have planned for you. I have listener questions, I have all sorts of things, so I don't have time to do that. Hey, guys, it's me, Alex, opening. No time for that. There's no explaining that, of course, my name's Alex because it's the Alex Cast and it's an eponymous podcast. Don't have time for that. I don't have time to tell you to go to alexcast.com. What the hell kind of time waster is that? I have questions here. I have like seven people that demand answers from me. I can't tell you that on alexcast.com there's links to my books that I've written. I can't tell you that you can get Periphery or the Void Sutras on there. No time for this shit. God forbid I start talking about how you could click the Amazon link before you shop on Amazon and I get a small percent and you don't pay a red cent extra. I need to start doing the show. These people took time to answer questions. No, they took time to ask questions. You know, I don't really have time to re-edit that. Maybe not. Maybe I should. Maybe I should really... No, no, I don't have time. You need to go. I can't do the whole introduction like that. It just, you know, I, only, I have so much to do here. Anyway, you know, it's 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 a whole thing. Just certainly, certainly, I we can all agree that I don't have time to tell you that if you click on the Audible link on alexcast.com, you get a free audiobook. And I get, a, I get a nice little chunk for it. In fact, I get 15 bucks. And you get a free audiobook. Then if you cancel during the trial period, you don't pay shit. Nothing. Nada. But I can't tell you about that because I don't have time. I have questions that need to be answered. You know what else I don't have time to tell you about? No, this one I do. Um, <clears throat> now we're done with that whole me talking fast in the beginning pretending I didn't have time. I call that the didn't have time sketch by Alex. The end. Our friend and yours. So I don't know who the our is in that first part of the statement. 
Anyway, Mr. Matt Staggs, at Matt Staggs, who is associated with the Disinformation Company, uh, the Disinfo Podcast. He's, you know, part of the Death Squad community. Whatever, he's a fucking wonderful man. Entirely entertaining, uh, just into Fortiana and uh, that being the, you know, Charles Fort type stuff, raining fish and weird stuff, uh, anomalous kind of things. Uh, you know, if you need, if you need to find a link about, you know, Bigfoot, you know, fucking a trout, Matt Staggs is the kind of fellow that'll have that link on his timeline. I mean, it's also like serious stuff. Anyway, the point is he's got a new podcast venture that's called, uh, the stagnation or just stagnation. But anyway, it's a stag with two G's, so S-T-A-G-G-N-A-T-I-O-N. So it's available on iTunes, uh, probably on Stitcher. I know there's an RSS feed on the website. So just uh, search for Stag Nation, S-T-T-A-G-G-N-A-T-I-O-N, Matt Staggs. You can find him on Twitter, at Matt Staggs. I'm sure there's all sorts of links there. But anyway, I think MattStaggs.com as well. So yeah, check it out. He just started. He's like four episodes in, and... Yeah, that's about it. I just, I really like the dude. He's a swell fellow. He has been nice to me over the, um, uh, years, maybe probably months that we've uh, had some kind of association with each other more. So, uh, my knowing who he is than he knowing me, but the point is he's a swell fella. And, uh, actually when you're starting, he just offers up on Twitter, like, Hey, does anybody want to fucking throw a plug on my show? Like I'm starting this new show. I'm relatively well known for my other podcasts. So I gave him a, a little a drop that he did for another program and he played it on fucking one of his episodes so how how nice is that um this is not a payback for that i wish i hadn't said that part pretend i didn't say that thing about him playing my thing on his show because honestly i would i would have done this anyway uh because I, I he's a nice guy i just i like helping people that i like on the on the you know in the world because i think that's how like the universe should work to reward uh the good and then punish with ruthless fucking efficiency the evil. Well, that was fun. I I don't know that when that when we we're when we we're talking, and I said I, I you know I'll happily plug you on my show. I don't know if Matt was really thinking that the plug would involve me um, threatening most of humanity, but well, that teaches you to not do your research. And what can I say? I'm a sucker for somebody with an extraneous uh, extra consonant in the middle of their <laughs> podcast name. Ah, the Alex cast. So here are some questions. Quickly, Mr. AJ Marquez, he is the man, the myth, the legend. He called in last week. In fact, he called in this week, and I'm going to play that message shortly. He is Robots Eat Vegans on Twitter. His question is, what is Thousand Island? Well, Thousand Island is a group of islands in, I think, it's either upstate New York, uh, you know, like that uh, New York area, or or like uh, maybe like uh, maybe um, North Carolina. But it's it, it's an East Coast place, and there's a bunch of islands. Maybe no, maybe it's one of the Great Lakes. Long answer is I don't know. I was thinking about it, I was going to research it, but then I realized that you're asking Thousand Island, and that's like some kind of, that's like a like a salad dressing. And I think that's actually the question. Uh, but I didn't look up either because I realized how dumb I was. And I thought my answer of me describing how one, I don't know where the thousand islands are. And then two, realizing that I spent the time trying to think of where the thousand islands are. And, um, and realizing that you're actually asking about salad dressing, but I'm pretty sure it's orange. So I'm going to say it's some kind of Russian dressing. Yeah. If you need more than that, 
there's not a lot I can do for you because, um, well, I don't, I don't know any more than that. I, I, as I just described, I, I don't know how to, um, I don't know how to live, AJ. I don't know how to live. The next, oh, no, no, not next question. Shut up, Alex. This is his phone call. You'll, the, the, the distracted tenor of my voice right there was because I was trying to figure out how the fuck to play his phone call. Uh, okay. Yes. What's going on, Alex Cat? Uh, AJ. Wow. I'm really, uh, okay, broke lately. Say, yeah, okay. Shut up, AJ. So. I, okay, I, I take that back. Um. Generally. And this is, this is a general thing with my show. Is when I play stuff, it doesn't go. So that's moderately concerning. What the fuck is that about? Uh, all right, well. Thanks for calling, AJ. You ain't coming on this week. Uh, I will have to figure that out. But we're not going to do it now. Anyway, he called in, and he had a very amusing phone call, talking about how he's been playing in the snow uh, whilst drinking all of his friends' drinks, and now he's gotten ill from it and feels poorly about the fact that he needs to pull back from this drinking in the snow but uh, feels bad because it's like, hey guys, thanks for all the free drinks, but I can't do this anymore. Which I don't know why you'd feel bad about that. But I also didn't really pay a whole lot of attention the first time through uh, uh, when I was listening, because I was just making sure you didn't say anything horrible, because I, I don't listen to the messages beforehand usually. I just gave like a brief thing to make sure like in the middle, it's not like some kind of like clan rally. I don't know why you would do that, given your last name is Marquez, and pretty sure... There's not a lot of people in the Ku Klux Klan with the last name Marquez. Yeah. Chris Reddy, at Chris Reddy, R-E-D-D-I-E, Axes, as uh, I, was, I grew up in the hood, so it's Axe. Have you ever seen a spooky ghost? Yes, I have. And I've talked about it on the show too many times, so I'm not going to answer this. Thanks for listening, you fucking prick. Uh, the Halloween episode, me and my brother talk about it, or maybe it was the episode before uh, my brother Craig was on, two episodes in a row, and we discussed it. So uh, I would love to answer your question, Mr. Reddy, but uh, I believe that I have over-explained over it. In fact, I think I've talked about it on the Whatcast with Mike and Mateo, and I think I've actually talked about it on the show before, too. So <laughs> let's uh, let us uh, let us just kind of give up. And assume that uh, that it's been talked about to death. But yes, there is a what I would refer to as a um, what, what would we say uh, a spirit, some uh, some some ectoplasm that was in my basement, or I'm just a weirdo. There or and or why not? Veggie Vixen asks a question. Veggie Vixen happens to be a very attractive woman. Who is a vegetarian? Well-chosen name. I just like to point that out. You tend, at least in in my experience, when someone has a name that is something like vixen or or stud for the guys, they're rarely vixens or studs. In this case, quite the attractive lady. I go so far as to say, attractive. I realized that I was getting a little creepy there, so I didn't want to use another adjective, so I just said attractive twice, because, like, 
like now it sounds like I'm being a fucking creep. And I was just, I was just trying to pay a compliment. And then I started to do that thing where I over explain everything. And now, now it's awkward. So I'm sorry. Um, really do apologize. Anyway, Veggie Vixen writes it. Yes. Uh, uh, she wants to know, essentially, uh, the cultural contrast between Portland and where I grew up and uh, what keeps me in Portland, uh, if, uh, if not for family, friends, or career, uh, because I uh, have few of those last three. Well, I haven't talked about this in a while on the show. I grew up in an Indiana town uh, with a good-looking mama who never was around. But I grew up tall and I grew up right with those Indiana boys on those Indiana nights. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. Now that's Mary Jane from that Tom Petty song. I always get me and Last Dance with Mary Jane confused. I grew up in northern New Jersey in a affluent county called Bergen County. I was not, however. Well, of course, I wasn't affluent because I grew up. How would I be affluent? My parents would have to be, but they weren't either. They were there from the olden days, and uh, father had a decent paying job, but uh, that sadly went away. So we were kind of, I don't know how you'd put it, like we're kind of that lower middle class, middle middle class, but I, I think we like just, but in debt, which is weird. I, I don't understand how that works, where it's like you're kind of middle class, except you don't actually have the money or the means to live that way. I mean, I guess that's just the way it is in America, but anyway. So, sorry, we'll be back in a second. I had to adjust something. Uh, yeah, so I grew up there, and that's where my friends and family were. Fast forward, I went to college. I went to uh, a place called William Henderson University. They had uh, some pretty good writers there, so I went there. It's like a jazz college, but some of the kind of more well-known New York uh, poet types taught there because, you know, it's proximity to New York, and it's much cheaper to live in there, so... I went there, and I applied to a bunch of uh, poetry schools, and I got in uh, quite a few, like, quite impressive ones. And because of that, I was kind of bouncing around the country for a second to look at schools to see where I wanted to go. And while uh, while that was happening, I found Portland. My brother actually uh, lives in Beaverton, one of the suburbs, so I had an in to this city. So I was looking there, and... Uh, uh, my life in New Jersey had pretty much fallen apart. I had I'd become every bit of a loser that you could possibly be. I was living with my parents in my mid-20s. I was driving a fucking flower truck. Um, it was not good. I had, I had started to have, like, panic attacks. It was just, I was just going down an ugly, ugly road that, you know, fast forward, I'd be 35 and uh, working in a cubicle and being, like, really interested in cars, you know? So... I found Portland, really dug it, but, uh, you know, I was looking to go to, uh, you know, graduate school. And uh, I did not get, <clears throat> pardon me, I did not get any, uh, any kind of uh, scholarships or grants or teaching f f fellowships or pretty much no one offered me any money in the slightest bit ever at all. So that, that was kind of sucked. So... I was already in, like, I pretty much paid for most of college with a credit card. Like, in fact, I'm still paying for Starbucks that I drank when I was fucking 22. You know, because they give you a credit card with 26% fucking interest. You know, you're still paying it down when you're in your mid-30s. Because, well, let's face it. I, you know, how the fuck do you afford books when you're working at a goddamn Dairy Queen? Which I was in the beginning of college. So, um, anyway, so I don't go to graduate school. I'm a fucking loser in New Jersey. And uh, I'm going completely fucking bonkers. Uh, I'm dating some girl that I... I realized later, I don't even think I liked, 
uh, but I thought I was in love with just because I needed something to hold on to. It was just a fucking mess. And I was just kind of looking down the barrel of, 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 of cubicle life. I was, I was just seeing how easy it would be to, to really uh, start getting into a, a sport team and, you know, kind of forget about poetry, forget about being creative. And Portland kind of was in my mind the whole time because it's cheap. It was, uh, it was cheap. Um, it's super kind of arty. It's super weird. And it just, it seemed like a place where I could live and live cheap and live weird. Um, which I just said the same thing twice for no good reason. I was trying to, I was trying to word it better, but it can like, essentially I didn't, I didn't have a car in New Jersey. Cause like I broke my car and I was saving up for another one and it just didn't, I just didn't want to have to buy a car. I didn't want to always have a car and drive to work every morning and wear a fucking tie. And I just didn't want to do it. I wanted to be creative and I wanted, and I knew that if I stayed in New Jersey, it would be too easy to fall into a comfortable routine and then look up at 40 and realized I'd done nothing except for, you know, uh, maybe found a shitty relationship and, you know, or, or, you know, whatever you get the point. I just, I wasn't feeling like that's where life was heading. So I moved to Portland and it keeps me here because I mean, frankly, I think the isolation that this town allows me to have, not allows me to have, I hate, I kind of hate the isolation in a certain way, but like, because I'm so shitty at being creative, it takes it takes a it takes an act of God for me to write. So because there's not like a huge social group for me here, I mean there probably I mean there is one if I wanted to accept it, if I wanted to like kind of fall into a fold. But it's easy enough to avoid. It's easy enough to be kind of a a drop in occasionally friend, you know. I, I don't know if that makes sense. I think it does though. Yeah, let's just pretend it makes sense. In fact, one hundred percent it makes sense. I can't believe you just doubted me. Um, yeah, the thing is, so I have, you know, I just, I just knew I could have a shitty job here and, and be creative. No, that's kind of a later, that's a bit of a, I kind of rewrote my history. When I first moved out here, I was trying to find writing jobs because I still thought I wanted to write for a living. And, um, I do want to write for a living. What I meant is, uh, I thought I wanted to write for like, you know, magazines or, or, um, you know, just things like that. Actually use writing, use my writing skill to make money, not write for money, if that makes sense. And it's, it's a small differentiation, but it's, it's like, if you're a really good artist and you're, you know, um, painting covers to a, to a, to a magazine, you don't paint covers to me, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not the thing you want to do, but it's using your skill set that way. I thought I wanted to do that. So I did for a second. I was writing for a magazine slash newspaper and I kind of hated it. And it just, it, it sucked the creativity out of me. And it just, it, it was a good lesson to learn. Um, yeah, I just kind of realized that I need to kind of live a life very similar to the one I have now in order to be creative. Um, not necessarily like the soul crushing job, but a job that like an income that I don't have to think about, you know, the second the door closes behind me, I don't think about that place till the next day. And Portland allows for that. So yeah, it's kind of a sacrifice to not be around my family. I mean, I have a brother, up, you know, in the in the uh, suburbs. I see him, uh, you know, somewhat frequently. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's not... It's not that I don't like my family. I do. It, it's just... I don't know. This just seems more... It, it just seems like this is more important. Like, this is the way it's, it's kind of meant to be. And I just don't feel like I could have... I could have built a life... <clears throat> Criminently, sorry. I don't feel like I could um, 
I could have built a life that would allow me to have written, you know, a periphery, you know, where I was, you know, in New Jersey. I'm just using New Jersey as an example. I just mean like around, around a comfortable group. Like if I had money, I probably would have moved to New York. Not that I ever had money, but if inexplicably I had money, I probably, and I think maybe New York would have done the same thing, but New York would involve a level of money that I, you know, it's just impossible. It's so, it's so pricey there. Uh, and even though that's really close to family and friends, it's, you know, it's easy. I don't know. It's just, there's this certain kind of, I just need that. I just need that kind of, I, I just needed to not have a car. I needed to work a shitty job and I need to like, you know, have a, have, you know, whatever focus I can call for my brain. I need to have that focus, you know, clear to write. So anyway, um, yeah. So what keeps me here is, is, uh, I mean, I guess that is career. Um, is that I think it'd be harder for me to write somewhere else. And then you necessarily somewhere else. Like now that I've like, I put the void sutures out three years ago, which to the new people, that's a, I put out a collection of poems and short stories. And, um, and then I put out periphery was, uh, last summer, the, my first novel. I think now that I've kind of have some under my belt, not that I have any money right now, uh, to move or desire to move really. But if, if I were in a, if I were like, let's say I had, let's say I had, uh, if I weren't still paying for that Starbucks that I drank when I was 21 and I had, you know, I don't know, fucking 200 grand in the, in the bank or something, I wouldn't mind living on the East coast again. I don't want to live in where I lived, you know, living in New York. I don't really want to live in New York either, but I'm just saying, for example, it's not like I have anything against there. It's just, the life isn't there for me. You know, it's not Portland necessarily. It's just a place where I can live and kind of create. You know, I was talking in a recent show, like I want to live in London for a while. It's not going to happen anytime soon, but I could see myself being, you know, just spending a little while there. I don't know. I might hate it, but like, I think it'd be cool. Um, there's not a lot of other places in the United States I'd want to live really. Uh, like uh, San Francisco seems neat, but it's, it's, I mean, from what I've been told since Google moved there, it's like, it, it, it costs, I mean, like, I think you actually have to give a kidney and one eighth of your mortal soul to have a sublet on a studio. So that's, that's just not even like, that doesn't even seem like fun. It just seems like any of the cool art that was there would be flushed out by that, but uh, whatever you get the point. But yeah, so that's why, that's why I'm in Portland. Uh, leading from there on the website, alexas.com, there's a tab that says writing and I don't even know how you could do this quickly, but I imported the blog I was keeping when I moved to Portland. So it's there, not in its entirety, because a lot of it was like me doing like posts of like, oh, I read this story today and the, you know, the length of the story is long gone. And it was like, you know, it's, so a lot of that's gone, but there's still like the narrative pieces that I wrote of like when I first moved here are still there. So uh, I, had a, I had a blog of one angry anthropoid, which was getting popular for a second. Uh, and then I just kind of, actually, I got a job that I wrote for a living and it, and it destroyed my will to write. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's all there. If you're ever curious about that kind of thing, you know, that it's all, it's all written down, diagnosed and, and thrown away. Uh, I don't actually have, I couldn't find it. I was going back into the old episodes. Veggie Vixen also asked me about, so my first book was called the void sutras and it is, I talked about it on the show, like that book came out concurrent with the podcast. You know, part of the podcast was because I was doing that and part of because I was doing that led to the podcast. 
And I know I talked about it, but I never talked about it in, in like a sit down form. And it, or at least if I did, I couldn't find it and I couldn't find the writing on it. But essentially the point of the Void Sutras is this, is it's an examination of an examination of, I am a pretentious asshole, but I'll just go with it. It's an examination of, instead of writing a poem about say, um, you know, uh, shall ever see a poem as beautiful as a tree, a fucking tree. This is, this is, I, I want to, I was trying to write the poems of walking to the tree before you even knew it was there or don't write about how you met a girl or broke up with a girl. Write about the area after you broke up and before you met the next one, but after the heartbreak's kind of gone, you know, that, that the void, you know, I, I was trying to just write about the spaces between is the kind of the concept of the void sutras. And the, the sutra ideas essentially just sounded cool. Uh, I mean, it does, there's, there's some deeper metaphorical reason for it, but for the most part, it just, the void sutras sounded neat. And I was reading a lot of Hindu stuff at the time and a lot of Buddhist stuff at the time. And well, the word sutra came up a lot, so it sounded good, but yeah, that's, that's the, that's kind of the concept of the void sutra is, is the spaces between. And it, I think that fed, it fed kind of philosophically or intellectually into the, into the concept of, of periphery, the novel I wrote of, you know, that's seeing out of the sides of your eyes, you know, having this kind of bifurcated awareness of, of, you know, different worlds existing. And, you know, it's almost like that. That's almost what would happen if you're in the void, you know, you could see like these two different sides, you know, these two different uh, things. So you're in, you know, this transitional state, but anyway, uh, so that's what the void suture is. So that is because uh, Miss Veggie Vixen asked. So, there we go. There's your answer. Hold on. I'm going to take a sip of my uh, kale smoothie, uh, powerful kale smoothie, uh, Joe Rogan party rock. Fun fact about my kale smoothie ability is I always put too much ginger in and uh, I think I'm dying right now. Oh, <clears throat> oh, that's terrible. Uh, what's funny about this, I was just talking to Ray Taylor from the In Inspired Disorder Collective, at Ray Taylor, about how annoying it is when people uh, eat and drink on the show. And so, of course, the show that I do, not but two hours fucking later, I uh, am uh, smacking and smattering into the microphone uh, my disgusting kale shake. But... To be fair, when Ray said that, I don't think he realized how much fucking ginger I put into my kale shake. And I'm pretty sure he'll forgive me. I'm not sure if he's going to hear this, but if he does, I think he has an open enough heart to understand that that was probably a lethal dose of ginger. Just, motherfucker. It's weird, because sometimes you get, like, the root, and it's, it's, you can put in the exact same amount, but, like, some, some ginger roots are just, like, they, they, they're, like, like one's like Hiroshima level fucking fat boy, little boy, fat man, nuclear fucking bomb. And the next one is some H bomb bikini atoll irradiating half the planet level. And it's the same, you know, you bought it at the same store, like two weeks apart. And that one was bikini atoll level ginger. It's comparisons like that that make me realize why I don't have a girlfriend and no one listens to this fucking show. The Makini Atoll is where they tested the hydrogen bomb after World War II, you know, during the uh, Cold War. And the hydrogen bomb is 
drastically more powerful than the atomic bomb, the one that was dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, or Hiroshima, or Hiroshima, Nagasaki, or Nagasaki. I don't know how to say either. That's the point. It's not really the point. The point is that there's no. Thomas Kale <laughs> writes in uh, at Thomas, as you would spell it, K A Y L L. Uh, he's we've been referenced on the show before. He asked me. Uh, worst lie you've ever told, whether because it was so obviously bullshit or just for the outlandishness. Uh, top three dinner guests, and why won't you love me? No, well, I kind of answered why won't I love him on Twitter. My Twitter is at the Alex Cast. Now that we have time to talk about at the Alex Cast, at the Alex Cast, YouTube slash the Alex Cast, Google Plus uh, plus the Alex Cast, but I won't reference that right now. So anyway, he asked me at the Alex Cast these questions. And I answer why when I love him is because of distance. He lives in London, I live in Portland, and I don't want his dick near me. But um bum Worst lie I ever told was this. I was very drunk, and I was making out with a girl. I know, shocking. Well, the girl I was making out with was the girl that, uh, well, I was at a friend's house, and the girl I was making out with was um, uh, uh, was the, uh, the crush of the person... That's house I was in. So my friend, let's call him Zanzibar. So I was at Zanzibar's house, and the night before, he was like, Hey, Alex. I was like, Yes, Zanzibar. He's like, I really have a crush on Smipty Whoop. And I was like, Dude, Zanzi, I'm pretty sure you can land Smipty Whoop. So, uh, yeah, like two days later, uh, me and Smipty Whoop and, and Zanzibar are drinking. Uh, there's there's many other people at this gathering, and uh, so me and uh, Smipty Whoop ended up uh, making out on Zanzibar's couch. Uh, Zanzibar walked in on me and Smipty Whoop uh, making out on his couch. Now keep in mind, I'm very drunk at this point. I don't really know what I was trying to say, but somehow I told him it didn't happen, even though he looked at it. I think maybe I was saying you were kidding. I don't know, but it was, you ever heard that song, It Wasn't Me? I don't know who does it, it's it's some, um, it, it came out in the last 15 years, so I don't know anything about it, but, you know, the song essentially goes like, like, hey, she walked in on me having sex with someone, it wasn't me, like, hey, um, I, I got your DNA and fingerprints off the scene where I'm watching you currently, and this videotape, having sex with this person, and, and the person replies, it wasn't me. I think that was the level of lie that I was telling. That was stupid. Uh, yeah, that was that was a really bad lie. Um, yeah, well, I think that's that's far and away it. Three dinner guests. Uh, I for, uh, I think he actually asked it more, but I'm gonna assume it's the classic question. If you have three dinner guests over the course of history, um, they, you know, uh, to you know have a chat with or whatever. This goes back to, and I was talking about this with Lillian on a few uh, episodes ago, how time travel sucks because you can only speak to people so far back. So in this one, instead of being a semantic ass, I'm going to say that at this dinner party, we have the uh, the TARDIS is parked next door, and we have a universe translator, or we all have babble fishes, and, um, and we can all understand each other. There's no um, cultural difference so drastic that uh, we'll, uh, somebody will dive across the table and stab uh, you in the neck. Which, given the people I would likely choose, I can't imagine they would stab, but I actually haven't chosen this list yet. So, three dinner guests. 
all-time history. I gotta go for the big man first, assuming he is an assuming his historical character is something like it is passed down to us. Gotta go Jesus. Um Yeah, because that would yeah, that'd be interesting. And, you know, obviously the jokes run out of wine, run out of fish, blah blah blah. So just throw that make those jokes for yourself. I'm not anointing his feet though. Oh no, he anoints my feet, so that's that's cool. Uh guest number two. Sorry, I just did that that horrible sucking noise. Ugh, I hate when people do that. I just did it. I would want to have. I forget his name. It's like Zypanthes or something like that. But uh, the first librarian at the Library of Alexandria. I can't think of his fucking name off the uh, off the top of my head right now. But yeah, I would love to pick his brain. Uh, that would be fucking cool. And then the third would be. Wait, wait, let me take that back. I might, okay, Library of Alexandria guy might come back, but I'm going back. Who I'd like to have is either either Thoth, uh, Dehudi, uh, or Hermes Trismegistus, or Hermes, the, uh, if there was a historical character behind those people, I want, I would love uh, that person. Essentially, he's the, uh, in Egyptian pantheon, he's the god that taught us uh, everything, you know, uh, words and math and whatever, uh, and he's the founder of any of the kind of al- alchem- alchemy and um, a lot of the, a lot of the occult traditions all come through him. I would, that would be cool. And so assuming he had a, an actual human uh, scaffolding that the myth was based on him, uh, if not, if that doesn't exist, uh, then I'm going to go for Library of Alexandria guy, because I would like to know you know, kind of what was available, what knowledge was available back then. And then, um, yeah, that's it. I just want to know. And then maybe, you know, what books he's read. Cause I'm sure that guy's like super well-read, but that'd be super interesting. So it still leaves me with one more. I think, what did I say? Jesus. Yeah. Thoth or library of Alexandria guy. And then third would have to be. Oh God, this is, this is tough. Uh, So I'm really interested in the ancient past. So I'm thinking like maybe, maybe one of those like really, really early, uh, like Chinese emperors or, ah, oh man, this is tough. Uh, maybe, maybe like one of the famous Romans. That would be cool. Nah, Romans seem like they'd be shitty dinner guests. Uh, Maybe, oh, you know what would be cool? I don't remember his name, but that white dude that showed up in South America and taught all the, like, the Aztecs or the Olmecs or the Toltecs or the Inca or the Maya or the, you know, one of them down there. That one, that white dude that showed up, he was, like, walking around in, in what? No, fuck that. I take it back. Uh, the, uh, uh, the immortal, uh, uh, uh the, the Count de uh, Saint Germain. Saint Germain is what I want. You don't know his story. He was a he was a, a count in fifteen, fourteen, thirteen, seventeen, sixteen, something. And uh, well, essentially, the 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 thing is, he's supposed to be immortal. He's one of the ascended masters, according to uh, you know, kind of occult tradition. I don't know. Would you call that a cult? Yeah, sure. I'm just gonna say cult tradition, secret society, hidden wisdom traditions. 
that he is one of the immortal people, ascended masters, yada, yada. I would, yeah, fuck yeah. He's definitely on the list. So we got Jesus, we got the Count de Saint Germain, and um, either Dehudi, Thoth, Hermes Trismegistus, like that, you know, uh, the the three-pronged fork there, or the guy that the first, uh, uh, the first librarian at the Library of Alexandria. What the fuck is his name? Ah, it's bothering the shit out of me. But anyway, this is uh, 1700s. It was it was like kind of Frenchy. Um, people were wearing wigs. Time. <laughs> I I am fucking. Here's the things I'm shit at in this world. Is is dates. I'm really good at like the order that things happen in, but I'm fucking. I'm just shit at dates. And I'm uh, I'm not great with names, but I'm learning, and I'm terrible at geography. Geography I could fix. I'm just lazy, but dates I'm just fucking horrible at. I mean, I could I'm I can be off by like a thousand years. I'm just I'm really bad at it. Cause there's this weird thing with like the immediacy of ages for me. Like the past doesn't seem that old to me. Like I I, I like Rome a lot. Not that I like Rome, but like ancient Rome. I mean, I just I don't give a fuck about modern Rome. Vesper writing shitheads, but. I like ancient Rome a lot, but like, if you read, like, I like, so I've been studying Caesar, not studying, but I like reading about Caesar, the first Caesar, uh, Caesar Augustus. No, not Caesar Augustus, uh, Julius Caesar. Gaius Julius Caesar? The first one. You know, uh, the Dias cast, crossing the Rubicon, the fucking famous one. And he, his dates were, he was like, uh, you know, uh, what, he... First hundred years BC, first hundred years AD. No, he was still BC. So either way, he was like kind of, you know, let's say eighty um BC. I it Rome of that time seems I mean, it literally it seems like it seems like the eighteen hundreds to me. It doesn't seem that different from cowboy days in the American West or or any of the like the courtier courtier court you know english or french court system i can't think of that word courtier here's the problem with uh, doing this podcast sometimes is i read a lot more than i say stuff out loud and i, I realize that as i'm saying something i'm like oh that's just a word i read all the time so when i'm saying it out loud i can't just look at the first three letters know what the word is and keep reading the sentence i have to actually say the word and it comes courte cordon Cordy, Cordy, so, but you know what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't see much of a difference between them and ancient Rome. Like, fucking Pilgrim times, I feel like Rome was more advanced. Like, Rome was futuristic from Pilgrim times, you know? Other than, like, their boats were slightly better. So, this is the long way around of saying the dates kind of fuck me up, because I have a hard time figuring out, because, like, that seems really modern to me. Like, Rome seems like, Rome seems like three grandparents ago. They could have been in Rome. I mean, obviously they couldn't have been, but you know what I'm saying? Like the technology they had, they were like right there. They could have had industrial revolution like any day. They actually had a guy called uh, Hero. He's a, a inventor. He invented a fucking steam engine and they just didn't like the just slave labor was so fucking prevalent that they didn't even fucking think about using it. it never, they never occurred to them. They literally could have had the industrial revolution in, you know, 300 fucking BC, but they didn't. So anyway, the reason I shit at dates is because Rome just feels like, Rome feels like last week to me. So I have a hard time trying to figure out, like, you know, the, the, like the 1800s to like, all right, that's the start of kind of the modern era. But from like the 1700s to like, you know, 
500 BC, they're all pretty close. It's like, yeah, it's like the same shit. I know there's a Dark Ages and there's some stupid Crusades and shit, but fuck it, it's all the, like, the Crusades, that's just Rome. It's, it's, the Crusades could have been in fucking BC. Just fuck off. There's no reason for, I don't know why I'm mad at history here. Or mad at these invisible accusers that I'm yelling at that are for some reason mad at my lack of knowledge of historical dates. But trust me, they're mad at me. Somewhere, there are people screaming, saying, Alex, how dare you not know when when Trafalgar happened or, or uh, I don't know, Trafalgar, that's a square. What was that? The Battle of Hastings. How, how dare you not know when the Battle of Hastings was? Well, sorry, I don't. I apologize. But I did have that fun thing about Constantine, uh, not Constantine, about, uh, um, Caligula declaring war on Neptune and collecting seashells as his bounty, because that shit was hilarious. So that's my three dinner guests. Uh, Jars of Awesome asked me, at Jars underscore of underscore awesome, asked me, most awkward place you've gotten an erection? I've only gotten an erection in my penis. So, weird question. Moving on. No, I, I, I will answer that. The most awkward place I've ever had an erection was, uh, and this is uh, actually somebody on Twitter had the same thing. Was I was in the pool with uh, my my two male friends, you know, just of the of the age of, you know, whenever a boner age, fourteen, let's say, and just had a random, you know, random boner, you know, just one of those things that happens that age, and just the most inappropriately timed phone call arrived for me uh, in the house. And my father brought the phone out to me and said, "Hey, phones for you." But of course, he's not going to hand the phone to me while I'm in the pool because it, you know, the phone being made of electricity and poison, I could never talk uh, on, you know, on it in the pool. So I had to get out uh, with with a with a with a turgid member. So I kind of got out and then like I just hunched over so it just the the there would be a buildup of material in my shorts and just hope that no one noticed. Which I don't think I don't think they did because I'm such a fucking weird person. That I guess they just thought when I was walking they just assumed that's what I would think that it would be drier that way i wouldn't say in the pool because i was saying i was poor before it was an above ground pool i didn't you know it's it, we weren't fucking high class living here but that's the most awkward place you've gotten an erection that i wasn't arrested for because it was an incident at the daycare but we're not to talk about that last bone stance at last bone stance you know who that is that's mike from the whatcast you may know him because he's been on the show before, recently, and I've been on his show. Actually, I was on the last episode to talk about the devil, so go to thewhatcast.libson.com or at the whatcast, facebook.com slash thewhatcast, just search for the whatcast. But I was on the last one, we were talking about the devil, and, you know, I'll tell you the truth, it was a grand old time. I was telling Twitter, if you play the re if you play the uh, episode back, there's a it's really great recipe for lentil soup, vegetarian, of course. He asks, who would win in a fight? A bear-shark hybrid or an alligator-octopus hybrid? How would it win? I'm glad you asked this question. Now I'm going to assume this is like kind of a, like a chimerical, chimera situation. I forget. Again, one of those words that I read more often than not. But when you combine animals, it's a chimerical, something like that. I know there's a chimera, which is a specific one. But I think you can say that word. Stop talking, Alex. Done. A bear-shark hybrid or an alligator-octopus hybrid? Okay. Now, I'm working on the assumption that this is not a bifurcation kind of thing. This is, we're taking the, the best and or, you know, the most deadly aspects of both uh, of both creatures and combining it into, like, an uber-killing machine. Hold on. 
Mmm, more ginger. Delightful. Why do I keep drinking this? Okay. A bear, shark, alligator, octopus. Now, I don't really know the difference between an alligator and a crocodile. So, I'm going to go with the one with kind of the the more rounded snout. Not the, like, the long snout. Because those kind of look like pussies. And an octopus. I know what an octopus is. Alright, so. Bear, shark, alligator, octopus. Well, first we've got to figure out where is this fight happening. In the sea or on land? You know what? I'm not even going to say that because I think it's, I think it's equal either way. Because sharks are fucking killer in, in the ocean. And I think giant-ass octopus have been known to kill sharks or at least attack them. Maybe those are giant squid. But I'm going to say they're the same thing because, again, I don't know the difference. I mean, I kind of do, but fuck it. It's funnier if I don't. And, and so a bear, shark, alligator, I think they're even both ways, even though an alligator kind of is. Here's the thing is alligators fast as fuck on land. So is a bear. Bears got the height on land. See, I think alligator octopus has an edge uh, on the aquatic battle. Bear shark has an edge on the land battle. Now, bear shark, bear already has a pretty fucking strong bite. It's got claws. And that's about it. Alligator, just the bite. It's at speed, as we're referencing. Octopus, smart as fuck, and can wrap stuff. Hmm. Yeah, this is tough. See, I'm leaning... Although I, Bear Shark is a million times cooler than Octopus Alligator. But I think it would lose. Here's my thinking. Is really just because a shark its only weapon is 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 speed through the water and it's and it's razor sharp teeth. And it can smell blood from like a shitload long away. I don't know if that would help in a fight. So so what a shark's bringing is speed in the water, which is offset by an alligator's pretty fast in the water over short distances, and an octopus I think is fast in the water. So the shark's a little faster, but I don't think that's going to really bring anything. And on land, all it's bringing is a slightly bigger mouth than a bear. Because a bear's mouth will fuck you up, too. Well, an alligator... is definitely adding the, like, just... See, I think there's more tribute. See, an octopus has all the arms. Then the same bite horribleness of a shark bear. Plus the arms, plus the strength. However, he's got to have the height to overcome. So bear's tall as fuck. Bear's like eight foot tall on its hind legs, and it can rear up. Alligator is like, even, like, you know, what, like a foot and a half tall. Yeah, so, okay, yeah, this is, okay, so on land, I'm trying to see, because an alligator can't stand up, and an octopus wouldn't stand up on land, so it'd just be like a shitty alligator on the ground with octopus tendrils. Tentacles. Yeah, okay, so on land, the only way the octopus is winning, octo, the octagator is winning on land, is if it somehow wraps up the bear, the, the, the bur, the bur shark, the shark bear, the ursus shark, the shark, the shark bear, the brown bear shark, the brown shark, the bear shark, the barsk, shar, yeah, that's a hard name, the bear shark, the, Shark Isly. Shizly. The Shizly. So it's like a grizzly shark. The Shizly. That's terrible too. The bear shark 
would, uh, yeah, yeah. So the, the bear shark would just stomp that fucking shitty octopus, dumb tentacles. It would beat the shit him on land. There's no chance. Bear shark wins on land, ready. Um, because just because of the height. I mean, that bear was gonna fuck you up. Now in the water. See, in the water, this is this is different. See, if you could have, yeah. See the, oh man. Now I'm thinking a shark, but with bear claws. Underwater. Cause that'd be like an alligator with an Oh man, I'm kinda I'm kinda leaning I think Bear Shark is actually gonna take take down both because yeah, an octopus is gonna be able to wrap you up underwater, but now you've got a shark with like a fucking you know, it's the most deadly weapon that nature's ever invented is a shark mouth. I, that's probably not true, but I don't really care. It looks cool. And they had that great speech from Jaws from Jaws with Quint. So Great speeches alone were giving it to Bear Shark Hybrid. And then even if the octopus wraps you up underwater. Yeah, man. Oh, I'm, I think I talked myself out of it. I think Bear Shark wins both. I think what went wrong here. Yeah, I'm giving it Bear Shark on both. So, yeah, run, run away, Bear Shark. However, I think the problem here is just because of on land, alligator can't stand up. Neither can an octopus. So I think... What what could we replace that with to try to even things out? How about no? I got nothing. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if we could throw a Bigfoot in there somewhere, like a a Bigfoot octopus hybrid. But octopus is already smart. I was just trying to give trying to give it some height, but I think a bear would beat the shit out of a Bigfoot. Yeah. Sorry, dude, but Bear Shark takes it down. Alligator Puss, we hardly knew you. Octagator? No, I said Octagator, didn't I? Not Alligator Puss. Alligator Puss is fun to say, though. Okay, so... Last Bone Stands also asks me, what's the best concert I've ever been to? Which... actually leads to... something I've wanted to bring up on the show uh, for a while. Uh, actually... I've recorded this, not tonight, but I've recorded what I'm going to talk about in a, in a moment. You know, wait, let me start this way. If you're if you're the type that uh, doesn't like when I get you know kind of emotional or whatever, uh, you just turn off the show now. Uh, this is not going to be you know the fun loving thing. It's just something I wanted to say on the show for a while. So, if you're not into the kind of emotional uh, Alex, uh, leave. I still love you. There was some good stuff before I was talking about, like, an octopus fighting. It was great. Um, yeah, so. And it sounds weird, like, hey, Alex, why are you getting all emotional about a fucking concert? So, um, okay, so it goes this way. I, let me answer some fun stuff first. The best concert I went to that didn't involve an emotional attachment. Or, I uh, uh, Pantera was a great show. Uh, Primus was great. Um... Well, so I've seen Roger Waters a bunch of times. That was really cool. The Cure was actually surprisingly good. Um, Iron Maiden, they put on a hell of a show. That was fun. Uh, who was the scene that was really great? Actually, Primus is probably one of the best. They fucking put it on a great show. Um, uh, I can't think, though. Anyway, let's get to the... We'll get to the depressing stuff. It's not depressing. It's... Uh, whatever. So, my my favorite show is oh no so i was gonna say this i've uh 
I've tried to talk about this a few times, and I don't even know if it's been on the air before, because I've honestly, I've recorded this break probably five times at this point, uh, this being the sixth. Uh, not tonight, it's the first attempt tonight, and who knows if you guys are ever going to hear this, but uh, it's something I've wanted to talk about on the show, and I'm not going to go into like some massive details, because I mean, the fact is, it's just not, I've just kind of come to realize it's not something that I can like, I can do a good job of, you know, it's, but uh, just get on with it, Alex. I will. Uh, so yeah, so, uh, the concert that, um, this, uh, the best concert I went to was, uh, uh, this thing called the Harry Smith Project. And it was the first time I ever saw Nick Cave. And, uh, it was at a church in Brooklyn and the, uh, the, the acts that were on with them, uh, like Sonic Youth was there, um, Lou Reed, which is uh, the only time I saw Lou Reed, um. Uh, the McGarrigal sisters were there. Like there, it was a bunch of stuff. Um, he was, uh, the, the, the Harris, I think it's Harry Smith project. We'll just go with that. But, um, he was this weird kind of avant-garde musician slash like kind of, he sounded more like a, like a Dolby kind of Foley artist. But, um, yeah. So, um, I'd never seen Nick Cave before. And my friend Meg, uh, was, she was, uh, she was a, friend, a fan of Nick Cave too. And she had like, at the time, the newest album was The Boatman's Call, which at the time I wasn't a big fan of because this was high school, Alex. So I was, you know, I was, uh, I was full of, uh, piss and vinegar and, uh, I wore a long black trench coat and I liked, uh, I liked, you know, Murder Ballads uh, by Nick Cave or, or, you know, Let Love In or something like something that, uh, not that Let Love In sounds like a badass t title, but, you know, there's some kind of deep, kind of gothy, hard tracks on there. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, she was into, uh, The Bowman's Call. And, uh, yeah, so we decided to go, um, so we drove my car, uh, the Hyundai Elantra, the Beast, to, um, um, to Brooklyn, to a place... My memory, I don't remember the name of the church anymore, but when I say drove to Brooklyn, um, we have to be specific. This was in um, 97, 98, somewhere around there, uh, maybe even 99, whatever, late 90s. And Brooklyn was still um, the Brooklyn from from movies, you know, um, hard Brooklyn, you know, um, back when Red Hook was a place to be feared. And uh, if you had, if you had... Um, you know, white skin, you would just turn your car around and leave immediately. That, it was that, that, the, the legendary Brooklyn of, of, of horror films. So we went and, uh, we drove my car into Brooklyn, which generally I don't, uh, I wouldn't have driven in, but it was a school night. Uh, we we're both in high school at that point. And, uh, you know, we just needed to, we didn't have time to get in mass transit and shit and move back and forth, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, uh, we go and, uh, we were talking about, uh, she was, she was going to illustrate the, um, I didn't put out a book until many years later, but she was uh, kind of the first kind of artist that ever believed in me. Really talented uh, illustrator. So uh, she was the first person that ever really like, liked my poems, and she drew pictures of them, which was fucking awesome. Uh, I still have, like, shitty copies of them, because I don't have the originals. But anyway, um, yeah. the idea was that she was going to kind of illustrate the cover of the first book. Um which the first book didn't come out till like a million years later. Or so, but, uh, anyway, we're driving, you know, probably talking about poetry or whatever. And, uh, we go to the city and we see Nick Cave in this wonderful show in this church. And we're on the kind of the top floor of the church, like a two story church, kind of 
um, I don't know what you would call that. It was the the top seats, the Statlon Rolf kind of seats, but uh, it was cool. Um, this was back when I probably called myself an atheist back then, or this may have been when I called myself a misanthrope because I was I was so hard, you know. I was I was too good for the world, so you know, yeah, man, I'm a misanthrope. There's no God. I'm God. And um, yeah, so this was the closest thing to a religious experience I'm gonna get, you know. It's trench coat, cigarette smoking, fucking know it all in a church watching Nick Cave perform, and it was it was fucking cool. Um so yeah, that was a really good concert. And um there's another like really well known band there too. I can't think of who it was. I don't have I don't somewhere in all the moves I, I managed to lose my ticket, uh, slash my, um, what do you call that? Playbill kind of thing. It's not a playbill, but I can't think of the right word. But anyway, so, yeah. So, uh, Meg and I were driving, so we drove home, and we're driving home, and we were talking about the show, and, um, I was the literary magazine editor of school, and she was the, uh, she was, did some illustrations for it, so we were talking about those. And again, you know, there's this, blah, 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 you know, artists, two artists in the car together. And, uh, yeah, so that was like, yeah, that was, uh, I think in 99 or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it, like less than a year later, uh, her mom found her in, um, in her bed and, uh, yeah, she's 17 and, uh, her heart didn't work anymore. So, uh, this is the reason I keep not talking about this because I keep like, I don't want to say it out loud, you know? Because it's one of those, I mean, this is like a really long time ago. I mean, this was 15 years ago, and I'm still fucked up about it. But, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to fucking re-record this again. Um, anyway, so the reason I want to talk about this is, um, well, one, you know, kind of the, you know, the, not the first person that believes me. I don't want to. It's so hard not to, not to kind of, it's so hard not to make the people that are gone, you know, heroes, you know, like, you know, it's, it's like, you know, every kid that dies is, is, uh, it was the most beautiful, was the most talented, was the, you know, like it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's so hard not to kind of lionize the dead. And, um, uh, yeah, I don't know where it's going with it. So, but the point is she's a really talented artist and, um. She really was, like, kind of one of the first people that believed in me, and really the first one that kind of, I don't want to say it this way, but kind of the first one that mattered on a level, like, I had other people that, that, I'm not trying to make this about me, I'm just trying to, like, I'm just trying to get across that I'm not doing that thing, that it's, you know, let me put it in a way I could talk about it a little bit easier, you know, like, if a, if a little kid dies, God, this is a fucking, no, I'm not going to do this, like, if... I don't know how to draw an analogy. What I mean is, like, I'm trying to to describe accurately the attributes, not not um, not canonize someone. Um, interestingly enough, uh, there was a poem that she drew a picture for. That was called the Madonna. I, I did a poem called Madonna and Whore, which is a literary trope uh, that um, you know every time a woman's in a book, it's she's either the Madonna or the whore. Like, there's no there's no um, there's no shades of gray. You know, uh, there's no um, 
Yeah, there's no in between. So it's kind of funny that it's been a years later that this this is the fucking same struggle I'm having as fucking seventeen year old Alex writing some shitty poem. But uh, uh, yeah, she's really talented, and and um, she painted, uh, or she drew in the way that that I wanted to write. Like if um, I used to say it all the time, like back when I was writing more poetry, that uh, that uh, it's because I can, it's because I don't have an visual talent because I can't paint or draw the things that I see in my head, which sounds fucking insane. This whole thing is fucking insane. I'm probably going to end up re-recording it, but, um, because, uh, be, you know, because I can't do that, I have to write. And that's why I try to write with these kind of really flourishy language. And, and I don't know if I still write like that, but that's why I like Nick Cave. And that's, that's why I like Meg. And that's not why I like Meg. I love Meg because she was a fucking great girl, but, um, yeah, she's really talented. And, um, yeah, and uh yeah so it's one of those things it's like it's just i'm not she's not a thing um it's something that's i've carried for a while and i just i want to i wanted to bring it up not to try to eulogize like a friend that i lost 15 fucking years ago but kind of on a more now level is i was trying to explain god this is i keep it's so fucked up that when you try to talk about people you end up talking about yourself and it's i don't mean to do that it's just it's really hard to it's just really hard to talk about a person, you know, in in abstract way. It's like you talk about the way people affect you, you know. And um, I guess just you know, fifteen years later, still thinking about it, that's the effect. But uh, so yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, so I mentioned before that she was uh, gonna. I was going to uh, use her drawing for the cover of the first book I put out, and uh, I didn't do that because the first book was the Void Sutras, and it just. Uh, it didn't feel right. Like one, I didn't have, I don't know if it felt right. I, I didn't have the original drawing anymore. I never had the original actually. Now I think about it. I um, had a copy of it. Uh, cause uh, who cares? But um, I didn't want to try to fucking approach her mom, you know, uh, just call from the fucking like, Hey, Meg's mom. Hi, it's Alex. Remember me? Me and your daughter were friends and dated for a second. And uh, yeah, yeah, I know it's, Many years later, and, uh, hey, can I have a drawing? You know, like, I don't, fuck. But anyway, so I didn't do it, and it kind of felt weird, and, um, I didn't, um, maybe it's the coward, maybe I was a coward. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But, um, when, um, when Periphery was coming out, I knew, uh, I couldn't use, I knew I couldn't use the drawings as, as a cover, because, one, I mean, maybe a bit of that coward is still, but two, it's, I don't know, it just didn't feel like a worthy thing, like, I don't think, I think maybe that's part of the thing that I didn't do for Void Sutras as well, is that, one, it was so many years later, and I don't think that if she had, you know, fucking managed to survive through life a little bit longer, um, that she would want something she did at fucking 17 to be the cover of an adult book, you know, like, I don't, I don't know that, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to speak for the dead here, but I, I, th I think, I mean, a lot of it's just sentimentality on my part. I think, you know, an artist does mature. So if you kind of fucking stupid, I think maybe that's the long thing. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's what I'm saying is that to be stupid to use. But uh, I did kind of make a promise. I didn't make a promise. I don't even know if I ever fucking said it. I mean, I know we said it, but I don't think I said I promise I'll do this. It's just in my head. It's again, it's hard to fucking speak of people that are gone, like with any kind of like accuracy. You know, I don't fucking know. Um, this is the thing I wanted to, you know, talk about. So when Mike asked the question about the concert, uh, which of course it's, it's fucking, it's my show. So of course I'm going to go on a 
the most ridiculous tangent ever, but uh, I was thinking about it today as I was trying to talk about it. I realized I don't remember what fucking voice sounds like. And that bothered the fuck out of me. Um, God, I sound like an idiot. Sorry. Uh, it's a goddamn verbal show. I can't be breaking up verbally. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, the the peripheries I put, it's dedicated to the girl in the black dress. Because, um, I don't know. I just thought that was... I mean, one, that's the way I think of her. I, I, I mean, I remember the dress, um, which sounds creepy. I'm not saying, like, the one she got buried in or whatever, like, that's weird to say. Um, but uh, I just, I don't even remember what day it was. It was just one of those things where, like, you know, you kind of take, I don't know if everybody does this, you take, like, snapshots of people, you know? Like, you kind of have those moments, you know? Not a moment with people. I mean, literally, like, I like a, uh, because I'm old, I'll say a Polaroid. Um, so for her, for... You know, um, I have her face in a few Polaroids in my head of like different, you know, just remember someone's face, but her, her torso is one picture. It's, it's, and I remember the dress. I don't know why. I just remember the stupid dress. Um, and I remember her hands in a different picture, but the, the, the point is, I think I remember her feet too. She wore big, stupid boots, which was kind of adorable because she was a tiny girl, but tiny girls, with big, stupid boots are kind of fun. But anyway, um, so I, I dedicated to the girl in the black dress, which is Meg, um, not that anybody really asked, but, uh, I didn't want to use her name because I just thought, uh, I don't know what I thought. I just, I, it's just, I think it's the same reason I never fucking put any of this shit out every time I try to talk about this is, uh, I don't want to make it about me. Like, I don't want fucking my stupid book to name checker. Like, I don't want to. I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like I'm trying to, like, get some kind of something off of her. I don't, you know, like, does that, does that sit with you guys? Does that, you know, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't, I want to, I want to be respectful, you know, I don't even know if there is a fucking anything to be respectful to at this point, but I want to be respectful. And, uh, I don't know, I just felt like using, I just felt using the name was, I don't fucking know, man. I, I don't know if I can explain it. It's just like the what what she was is carried in me in a lot of ways like you know it does her her life kind of changed my psychology a lot and uh, certainly not saying that's a fucking good trade i'm pretty sure she would have done a far far better fucking job of this than i'm doing but um there's a you know there's a certain amount of carrying that on in me and i just i just felt seeing the name was so much like so much like trying to own a piece of something, you know? Um, I don't know if you know. I, I don't know if that means. Anyway, I just want to talk about it because she was a fucking cool chick. And um, this is really embarrassing because that one is occurring to me that I'm going to put this out. And if I heard a podcast where some dumb fat guy says like, hey, the rest of this is going to be emotional. Of course, I'm not going to turn it off. Now there's going to be some stupid fucking tape of me half crying on the goddamn internet and oh, fuck it and that matter it's the worst thing other shit i have out there but um yeah i don't know i i don't know what to say this is a fucking i did a terrible job of this but i've wanted to say it for a while um i don't know why i sound like a muppet now um it's a terrible job of it but um no muppet sounds like that i just my voice cracked in a weird way that it went muppety yeah Okay, this was terrible. Um, <laughs> fuck. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I don't. I, uh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Do I put a? Should I put a warning in the front? Should I? Warning. Alex is a 
blithering ass at the end of this fight. Maybe, you know, I think I will do that, because I think, I don't know. This, it's such a fucking, it's such a goddamn clusterfuck of a show that, like, I have so many people that listen in, like, different ways. I know some people listen because I talk about fucking levitation of the blocks of the pyramid and then other people listen because i you know talk about writing books and other people listen because i say dumb fucking puns and you know some people listen because i'm honest and uh i don't i, I just I, I can't imagine there's a shitload of people that want to fucking listen uh they're like hey this is a funny guy that tries to be you know uh you know amusing to the world oh let's listen in fucking voice crackingly blither for fucking 20 minutes yep so yeah i guess i guess i'm gonna put this out um i don't fucking know um yeah i don't know yeah so i can't explain it but this is what i wanted to finish with this is um uh, Give me, I don't want to say give me a second, because it's, I'm so, it's so fucking weird with this show, is I just, I just don't like editing, and I don't mean, like, I don't want to do the work, I mean, I do a ton of post-production on this to make it sound good, but, like, I just, I don't like cutting things, so that's why you hear me say, like, give me a second, or hear me, like, cough sometimes, uh, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, anyway, because, uh, this happened in New Jersey, and this is, uh, kind of the opposite, um, uh, thing and it just kind of makes sense because it's who i was back then now so i just thought i'd finish with this this is uh this is um this is the way we used to close the uh the poetry readings at the bar I used to hang out it and uh this is uh, i don't know this is just reminds me of of then and and her and just the the thing oh well, you know i just wanted to wait, wait sorry let me go back one more time because i did make a point of referencing this is uh <laughs> is the fucking Boatman's Call can can devastate me. Like, no album can. Uh, I'm kind of over it a little bit now. Not over it, but, like, for a while, it was, that was, like, the Meg album. Like, that was the, oh, that was the, oh, I can't listen to this, or I'm going to start fucking crying. And then it was eventually, like, oh, maybe I can listen to this alone in a car and be emotional. And then, you know, now it's kind of like, oh, this is this is a good album. And, of course, it still, still reminds me. But uh, there's a... Uh, uh, there's a song ca uh, called uh, Where Do We Go Now But Nowhere on there, which it'll... Oh, boy. You know, maybe... I don't know if I have it on this computer. Maybe uh, maybe I'll close the, close the, um, the episode with it so you guys will understand. But, uh, yeah, I want to end with this. So this is how we used to end the poetry readings at the bar I used to go to. And this reminds me of uh, where I was at the time. So this is, uh, this is the last thing. This is the last part of uh, On the Road from Kerouac, which... Um, it's one of the more beautiful things ever written. Uh, not saying the book, but the closing thing. So, <clears throat> yeah. So in America, when the sun goes down, and I sit on the old broken down river pier, watching the long, long skies over New Jersey, and sense all that raw land that rolls in one unbelievable huge bulge over to the west coast, and all that road going, and all the people dreaming in the immensity of it. And in Iowa, I know by now the children must be crying in the land where they let the children cry. And tonight the stars will be out. And don't you know that God is Pooh Bear? The evening star must be drooping and shedding her sparkler dims on the prairie, which is just before the coming of complete night that blesses the earth, darkens all rivers, cups the peaks, and folds the final shore in. And nobody, nobody knows what's going to happen to anybody besides the forlorn rags of growing old. And I think of Dean Moriarty. 
I've been thinking of old Dean Moriarty, the father we never found. I think of Dean Moriarty. I remember a girl so very well the carnival drums all made in the air grim reapers and skeletons and a missionary bell oh where do we go now but nowhere in a colonial hotel we fucked up the sun and then we fucked it down again well the sun comes up and the sun goes down going round and around to nowhere the kitten that padded and purred on my lap now swipes at my face with the paw of a babe I turn the other cheek and you lay into that oh, where do we go now but nowhere oh wake up my love my love wake up oh wake up my love my love Across clinical benches with nothing to talk, breathing tea and biscuits and the serenity prayer, while the bones of our child crumble like chalk. Oh, where do we go now but nowhere? I remember a girl so bold and so bright. And laughing and brazen and babe sits gnawing her knuckles in the chemical light. Oh, where do we go now? But nowhere. You come for me now with a cake that you've made, ravaged Avenger with a clip in your head. Full of glass and bleach And my old razor blades Oh, where do we go now but nowhere Oh, wake up, my love My love, oh, wake up Oh, wake up, my love This clean antiseptic air behind the locked gates, an old donkey moans. Where do we go now? But nowhere around the duck pond, we grimly moan gloomily and mournfully. We go round again, and one more. Doom time 
without much hope going round and around nowhere from the balcony we watched the carnival band the crack of a drum a little child did scale I can still feel his fingers pressed in my hand nowhere do we go now but If I could relive one day of my life If I could relive just a single one You on the balcony, my future wife Oh, who could have known but no one Oh, wake up, my love 